My first leadership role in a local church happened when I was in my early 30s. I was finishing my bachelor's degree a little bit late, about a decade. My major was business leadership, and I was given the assignment to write a paper on how teams functioned and to use my own place of employment for that. But I did not work in a place that used that type of uh, of leadership. No teams were there. It was generally the attorneys who told us what to do, and we did that, and there was no collaboration involved. But um, I knew that we had committees at the church, and so I asked my pastor if I could um, observe a committee meeting and take notes and to write my paper on that. And he said, you know, it happens to be there's a council ministries meeting this week. Why don't you come and observe that? So I thought that perhaps he had suggested this out of convenience of timing, But after everything happened, I'm wondering now, because you see, I went to that meeting with the sole purpose of observation. I was going to sit in the corner and just watch how they worked together, all of the the paradigms that were happening and and the, the roles that people played in the committee. And they invited me to come ahead and sit at the table with them. So to be polite, I did as I was requested. And as the meeting started after the prayer, the pastor informed the committee that the chairperson had uh, had to step down for family reasons and that they needed to figure out who was going to be the next chair of the committee. And someone said, I nominate Sonia to be the chair of the committee, to which I protested saying I wasn't even on the committee. I had never been on a church committee and I didn't know what to do as chair. Well, by eight o'clock that night, I had chaired my first committee meeting um, in a local church, and I learned um, a lot of things about how teams work. I don't think any of them were what my professor necessarily had in mind, but perhaps. But it was one of those times that I learned the power of persuasion and people um, wanting to push you into a good direction. But was it good for me? Was it what I was being called to do? I don't know. I wasn't given a chance to pray or think. (laughs) But as uh, I have observed after that, I learned that the first thing that the nomination freight train does is it hits you hard and fast and you're left wondering what happened. After that, I learned that uh, experience is not a requirement to chair a committee, interestingly enough. In fact, being the chair of the committee, I learned that the less experience you have, the more those who are dysfunctional in the church will step up to manipulate you. I also learned that just because you are inexperienced or ill-equipped doesn't mean that God won't lead you or use you to lead a team. I tend to not listen to people who try to tell me that they can't do something in the church, they can't step into a leadership role because they've never done it before, because guess what? Neither had I. And it's amazing how God worked in that, even without my understanding why I ended up where I did. I also learned a great deal about temptation. There's temptation to do what people ask of you because it flatters you. Um, it's, it's your ego that gets in there. They tell you how great you would be doing this, and of course you want to believe them. There's the temptation to do something because it's good or it's for God or it's for the church. And it might be good and for God and for the church, but is it you that's supposed to be doing this? 
And I also learned the temptation to um, not say no. I mean, why wouldn't I have said just no? But that's not the way it worked. It so happens at this point in time, I was in a discernment process. And through this, God helped me to understand um, more about myself and who I was and who God was calling me to be. Now, I'm not certain if God was ever going to call me to be a chair of that committee, but I did, and I think God worked in that. You know, today we are looking again at the gifts of the darkwood, and we've looked at gifts of uncertainty and emptiness, gifts of being thunderstruck or getting lost, and today we're looking at the gift of temptation. But temptation doesn't really sound much like a gift, does it? I mean, when we think of temptation, I think of, you know, when I was in my 20s and all of those things that I was tempted to do that I was told I should not do, and even those things I was tempted to do that I was told was just simply a bad idea. But that's not the temptation that we find in the dark wood. The temptation that we're finding in the dark wood is that temptation to do things that we may not be the one called to do them. It might be someone else that needs to say yes, but because we've stepped up there for whatever reason, our ego, or perhaps just because if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Or maybe it's because it's a good thing and you, you know, think that if you're doing a good thing, then you're right with God. These are all temptations for things that are good, but they're not necessarily right. So as we sit in this time where we are in our homes, hopefully, if you are doing what you're supposed to be doing, unless you are essential or medical care, um, what does this temptation to do look like when it seems like we can't do anything? Well, there's the temptation to do nothing. That is a temptation. We find ourselves in our um, pajamas or sweats for most of the day, or perhaps we find that we have isolated ourselves and we haven't really had contact with others. Perhaps we're tempted to simply go out, ignore the warnings, get out there and do something good, like visit people that you shouldn't be visiting. See how this temptation works that doesn't seem like a temptation? You know, I think that as we are in this place, first of all, um, I want to say that if you are an extrovert and you are going crazy because you cannot hug someone, I understand. If you are uh, a person that is lonely and just needs company, I understand. And if you are as we all are, um, a little scared or worried about the future, whether it's for um, health reasons or economic reasons or all of the above, I understand. Because we're all in this together. This is a, a new frontier, so to speak, in the way that the world looks. We went to bed one night and knew that things were happening elsewhere. And the next thing we know, a week later, cases have more than doubled in our own country, in our own state. You know, 
how are we to be the church when we can't go to church? That's a temptation. It's a temptation to sit there and say, oh, well, we can't go to church. We can't meet in church. Then we're not the church. But the church was never, ever about the building. The church was about people who followed the teachings of Jesus. The church was about, is about, discipleship. Not what we say we believe, by how we act. Are we doing what Jesus taught us to do? Are we listening to the teachings about those who are marginalized? Are we caring for the poor, those without health insurance, the sick, the elderly? It's a temptation to hide ourselves away from the suffering of the world, but it's not the right thing to do. Now more than ever, as we come together and we meet as the body of Christ in new and unique ways, I'm reminded that none of us have this perfected. Last week, we had trouble getting the worship service online because so many people were watching worship services online all at the same time. Didn't think about that before. And, you know, we're all in this together of churches and leadership in churches who are looking for ways that they had not planned when they set a budget of how they were going to be in ministry. There are pastors that are trying to sort through all of the many, many wonderful recommendations of how they should be a pastor at this time to find the right one. And, you know, there's lots and lots of good ideas out there. Great ideas about how we should be the church, how we should do worship online, how I should be a pastor, how leadership should be leadership. There's a lot of great ideas, but they're not all the right ideas. So as we come, I just want you to know we are not alone. We're in the boat with everyone else. And you know, the temptation is to isolate ourselves or to think that we're isolated, but we're not. Now more than ever, we need to be unified, if not in body, in spirit. I always wondered why people didn't come to church if they claimed to be a Christian. Because in my mind, that's what you do. You come to church if you're a Christian. You come and you worship with a community of faith. You come together to encourage one another. And I have listened to many people tell me how they can worship God in a multitude of places, whether it's the hunting blind or on their tractor in the field or at a ball game, of all things. And I tell them that's not the point. The point is community. So what is community? As we look at the gift of temptation, I would encourage you that you resist the temptation to do all of those things that somewhere deep down inside you know is not the right answer. They might be a helpful suggestion from a well-meaning person, but you'll know if it's the right answer. I would encourage you 
not to give in to the temptation to hide. I would encourage you not to fear at this time. There are plenty of things to worry about. I could make a list. But we should not be afraid. I pray for you that you will be a disciple. A disciple is a job description. It's something you do. It's not a profession of faith. In fact, our scripture tells us that God will create in us a new creation. But you know what? God does that over and over and over again in each stage of our life, in each stage of our discipleship. God is constantly calling us to what is new. And here we are in new and uncharted and unknown territories. Become all that God is calling you to be, even when it seems weird or unusual or unknown. Live out your faith. Live out your discipleship. And share this blessing of God's grace with a world that desperately needs it now without telling them how they should have acted. Without chastising. Without condemning. Jesus never did that. And if we are to follow Jesus, we won't either. So may we live in peace, being comfortable with the gift of temptation as it helps us to discern who we are in Christ at this moment in time. Amen.